Thanks for tuning into the very first episode of The Glittercast. I'm your host, Renee Watt, and I'll be kicking things off with an interview featuring seriously the spookiest, dreamiest, most amazing bad babe in the bunch, Cassandra Peterson, who you may know as Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And the first part of our interview, it was so much fun to record. It was so amazing. The stories that she has about her experiences living in a real life haunted mansion. And after we have like this amazing conversation about ghosts and spooky things, I'm actually going to walk you guys through the process of doing a house blessing and cleansing so that if you feel like you've got weird vibes in your space, you know how to get rid of them. But before we get started with all that, I just want to take a second to let you guys know about my monthly raffle. Every month, I'm going to be giving away free crystals, spell kits, energy healing sessions, um, and even like psychic, tarot, or astrology readings. And the prizes are going to change every month, but they'll always be amazing. And I always put my heart and soul into them to thank you guys for the way that you enter, which is to send me a screenshot of your written five-star review for The Glittercast. And you can send those to me on Instagram at The Glittercast or email them to me at theglittercast at gmail.com. And I will be giving away extra prizes for the first month. So instead of raffling just one thing this month, I'm going to be raffling five. So please get those reviews sent to me before next month. Thank you so much for your attention. Now, on to the spooky show. Are we going to talk about spooky stuff? We're absolutely going to talk about spooky <laughs> stuff. And I think that's how I should just let it. I'm just going to let it roll from there. I, no, I did, did you, what, I, you were there when I told that story about my Ouija board when I was a kid, right? Yes, but I want you, I want you to retell yeah. it. And for everyone who's just sort of, we just are sort of in the middle of a conversation mm-hmm. now. Uh, I'm here with Cassandra Peterson. You know her as Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And Tell me that Ouija board story again, because it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I uh, mentioned this a while ago, and um, we were talking about Ouija boards, because I had a mask that had a Ouija board on it, and, we, and you and I were talking about them, and, and I was saying, I love them, but I really, really got freaked out by one when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I wanted to play with the Ouija board all the time, and uh, I'd always have them at my like slumber parties or take them to, you know, with my friend to her house. And and nobody was quite into it like I was, you know. They were like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. normal. <laughs> but I loved it. And so one day I just got the bright idea of, well, I'm, you know, I'll just see if I can use it by myself. You know, maybe I don't have to have another person there. And, and I thought that would be a good way to prove that it's really moving on its own because... I know I won't be pushing it, you know right. what I mean? So uh, I sat down and put my hands on it, and it just started going all over the place. It was just talking up a storm, telling me stuff. I wasn't asking the questions. <laughs> it was just telling me things. And uh, Do you uh, remember any of the things that it said? Yeah, it definitely. It, it mentioned Salem. Uh, it mentioned uh, 
you know, witches, witch uh, hanging, and that there, and it said there was someone named Cassandra who was hung. Now I've looked that up before. There was, I couldn't find anybody named Cassandra mm-hmm. that was hung as a witch. So I don't know about that part, but I actually went and looked. Yeah. It up. Uh, so who knows? But anyway, it was a really kind of scary, creepy story. It was telling me, and it was moving so fast it was hard to keep up almost to keep up and and what are they saying one word was going into the next one you know and and, uh but it was really freaking me out after a while I was in my room in the basement alone and um I had like candles on because I like to you know when I was doing it to be all spooky yeah of course yeah and I I can't remember how old I was man I was probably I was probably around third grade. Okay. Third. So, I mean, I don't really think that third graders have much knowledge of what Salem even is at that point, too. Oh, I didn't know what Salem was. Oh. I looked at, I had to look it up. That's, see, that's super creepy. I know. I had no idea. I looked up the whole thing. I went to the library because we didn't have oh. the uh, computers back then. God, hardly had telephones or TVs back then. <laughs> that's how old I am. Um, no, but I went to the library with my friend Marilyn and... Um, got books about, I asked about Salem. And then when I found out uh, all of this stuff, I was, yeah, ultra creeped out. Yeah. Because I didn't, yeah, who the hell, when you're in third grade in the 1950s knows about Salem. Right, you know? and people getting, like, people, like, witches being hung and, yeah. that, like, having it come through like that. And especially, too, because a lot of the times Ouija boards, sometimes it's not always even cohesive what's coming through. And so you're getting in a lot of information yeah, it's like, where did that information come from? Yeah. Not me. And I was not moving the thing, the, you know, the little, what do you yeah. call it, the little thing you push around. I wasn't doing it. So, yeah, it was <laughs> super creepy. But then, after I got really, really creeped out by it, finally, yeah. it was just like this, okay, I, I can't even handle this anymore. I um, took the Ouija board and I shut it in my closet because mm-hmm. I just like wanted it, I didn't even want to sleep in the room with, with it. it yeah because yeah. i was going this thing's gonna <laughs> crawl around <laughs> too far yes yeah. so i stuck it in my closet i went to bed i was all creeped out and um during in the middle of night i heard something and i woke up and it was like this little scritch 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 scritch, scritch, scritch. Oh my and God. it was the sound i am convinced i mean i thought i went over it was in my closet and I was sure it was the sound of the Ouija board. Yeah. Moving itself moving around. Moving itself around, yeah. And you know what? The next day I took that damn thing out and I threw it in our incinerator. We had a backyard incinerator then to burn trash. How would you? How how did you feel like you were like processing all of this from the time that you got the Salem stories to sort of like the activity continuing? Yeah, I don't rem- I don't remember the the timeline of how I did everything. I. I, I mean, I was on the Ouija board all the time, and my mom was very much against it. She was like, <laughs> get that thing out of here. Yeah, stop doing that. So I didn't tell her about it moving uh, on. It. I did definitely not yeah. tell my mom about it. But the night that I heard it scritching around by itself, I told my mom yeah. the, the next morning. I said, it's just really scaring me. It's moving on. It's on. And she like just jerked it out of my hand, and she's and the just, one who threw it yeah. in the incinerator, not really me. Um, yeah, I, and I was like okay with that too. I was because like, it was yeah, 
I mean, I just said, well, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm getting this thing out of the house. This is evil. <laughs> so um, that was the end of that Ouija board. Do you remember where it came from? Like how you acquired it? Good heavens. I don't. I really think I got, I must have gotten it for a birthday or Christmas present when I was a kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Was so, that? Yeah. I don't remember specifically how I ended up with it. Was that your first sort of like spooky paranormal type of experience? Yeah. I would say when I was a kid, that was Definitely not only my first, but probably my only one. Mm-hmm. As a kid, though. As a kid. Yeah. Then I had a big, big one happen later on when I was in my 30s. Was that the house? That was my house. Okay. Yeah. I've been not letting you tell me this story <laughs> because I wanted us to, I wanted it to be recorded and I've been oh, dying yeah. to hear it. So finally, I want to hear your haunted house mm-hmm. story. Yeah, it was uh, uh, this house that, that my husband and I bought uh, called Briarcliff Manor. I mean, that's it, crazy, first of all, right? <laughs> and I found it when I was walking my dogs, and I saw a chicken running down the road. And I followed the chicken, and it crawled through some bushes. And I got down on my hands and knees and kind of crawled in there under it. And underneath this huge bunch of bushes and stuff was this gigantic old, old house sitting on this huge property. It turned out to be two acres. And I'm like, oh my, and this is the Hollywood Hills, okay? Right in the middle yeah. of Hollywood, right under the Hollywood sign. And I, I, that was my neighborhood I lived in. And I'd walked by it a million times. Couldn't believe it was there. Um, so we ended up finding out uh, it was for sale. And I was obsessed with it. I, uh, I had to have this house. Mm-hmm. And it was way, way over, <laughs> over our budget. I mean, way over. Um, but anyway, we... <laughs> Took out a jumbo loan and we right. got, and we got the house. It was, <laughs> oh whoa. my god! Holy crap! What was that? I yeah, I don't yeah. know. If we're having the paranormal activities <laughs> like following us. something oh just god. fell over, but I think it's the ch- I think it's the chimes that are right there. Okay. Wow. Okay, I just jumped out of my skin. <laughs> I know, skin. I did too. God. I mean, there's nothing <sighs> better to happen during a haunted, like a haunted house story, though. <laughs> oh lordy. Okay, Ooh, that woke me up. Okay. Um, yeah, so it, we, long story short, we bought it. It was a 1901 craftsman-style house. It was in the Hollywood Hills. It was on two acres. Really spectacular, but really, really ugh, a mess. Uh-oh. Just a giant mess. Yeah. Um, the people that lived there were from Indonesia, and they, they had a zillion chickens living in the house with them. They had some weird son who was, like, shut up in a room. They wouldn't Whoa. take me in that room. He said, oh, our son lives in you there. You can see the could, room when you buy it. Yeah, yeah, fine, that's right. <laughs> and he was, it was like, you know, Igor or something. Oh, yeah, no, don't go in there. Our son is not well. I was like, okay. Oh. Um, anyway, we ended up buying the house. Yeah. And the day we moved in, uh, the second, the movers came, and we were taking everything, having everything taken into the house. And the house had four stories. And I Jeez. didn't, I know, isn't that crazy? It was a huge house, it had 29 rooms. Jesus. Um, I know, it was so gigantic, you can't believe it. And um, I spent like five years just trying to put furniture in the thing before we left. Um, but I uh, told the movers, do not take anything up to the fourth floor because we didn't know what we were going to do with that room. It was a big, giant room. I guess it had been at one time a billiards room. Okay. And so it was just one big room with windows all around the entire room. Is that the Igor room? No, okay. No. Igor was in another one, <laughs> Got a it. guest bedroom. Yeah. Um, but it's so just this big giant room on the top floor. And I told 
the movers do not take anything up there because we don't know what the heck we're going to do with that right floor up there, you know. So I'm on the third floor and I'm um, uh, putting things away and all that. And I hear somebody stomping around on the fourth floor. And I'm like, oh God, you know, what the hell? I yeah. told them not to go up there. So it had a weird little little staircase that went up, a real narrow, dark staircase mm-hmm. that went up to it. And I go running up and go, hey, guys, guys, you know, I, I don't want anything up here. I really don't want anybody to, to you know, be up here. And uh, by then, when I got to the room, the room was completely empty. I mean, you know, nothing. And you, there's nowhere to hide up yeah. there. It's just one room. Yeah. And um, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I heard as clear as day across the ceiling, boom, 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 yeah. footsteps. Um, and, you know, I ran and told my husband and he said, oh, it must have been branches hitting the room, <laughs> hitting the windows up there or something. And I said, well, it was vibrating the ceiling. I could I could see, you know, when you kind of somebody is upstairs from me. Yeah. Kind of, can, you know, see the footprints <laughs> go across. Yeah, you anyway. Can, you, you, you know the sound. Yeah, I get yeah, it. So I was, yeah, I would, oh, well, okay. That was that. Then we were in there and then things started to happen all just little things like you know and you could chalk those up to just forgetfulness or whatever but I'm sure I put that over here now it's over there mm-hmm. and I opened all all these doors on the second store but I went upstairs and they're all closed did you do that no I didn't do it you know and and uh every night it was it seemed like there was something that was weird you mm-hmm. know and I'm and then weirder things started happening. Um, oh gosh, well, what was it first? Well, oh, it had a pool. It had a swimming pool that was an Olympic-sized, heart-shaped <gasps> swimming pool that was built in 1921. First swimming pool in Hollywood. Wow. Yeah, and um, um, I went out there. I don't swim, but when I like sort of dog paddle around in there, yeah. in the deep end, there was a black shadow on the bottom, and I would. I said to my husband, do you see that shadow down there? What, what I couldn't I couldn't dive down and see what it was. But yeah. He could I go dive down there and <laughs> see see what that is. And he went down there and he said, I don't know. When when you're down there, I don't I don't see it. I said, Do you see it kind of floating around? He goes, Yeah, you know, it must be a cloud passing by or from the one of the trees yeah. on the side, shadow and I go, Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, just and like then, bad mansplaining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So every time I was out there, I would see the damn shadow, and it was kind of just moving around the bottom somewhere. Oh God! And um, one day, my niece was visiting. She was uh, about seven years old, and um, I had a new dog that I had adopted, Bram, after Bram Stoker, and uh, I was dog paddling around and I mean like I said I really can't swim I can sort of dog paddle from one side to the other side and make it there without dying and (laughs) I was about in the middle of my dog paddle journey from one side to the other when Bram came and a a flying flying leap and landed on my head and shoulders I mean this is about maybe a 80 pound dog you know German Shepherd and uh landed on me and pushed me down under the water and I I was kept trying to get up and he was just clawing the crap out of me. The harder I'd try to come up, the more he'd try to cling to my head and shoulders, you know, cause Whoa. he thought it was some kind of an Island, you know, he was landing on or whatever. Yeah. And he just kept pushing me down. And I, I, I really, I, 
thought this is it. I'm that there's no way I can get away from this dog. He just keeps pushing me under. And my niece, seven years old, has the brains to get a floating mattress that we have paddle out to the middle of the, um, like I said, a huge, huge pool yeah. paddle out there. And I was able to grab onto the, the rubber raft. Uh, I mean, had she jumped in and tried to get me because she knew how to swim. Yeah. I would have taken her down too. Right. But uh, I was able to get that. I was all clawed and bloody and horrible. Then later, my neighbors who were in their 90s, they were the cutest couple. They they had uh, lived in the what used to be Briarcliff Manor's ballroom. Mm-hmm. It was sold off at some point to the house. So, oh. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was like a big giant hunting lodge. Yeah. And there was a tunnel underneath going from their house, from the ballroom to our house. Oh my gosh. And they were telling us that in the 30s, it the inside of the tunnel had been encrusted with uh, jewels, not 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 real, you know, but, uh, I mean, real ones, but, but like opals and sapphires and I've been encrusted on the walls, but that at one point it had been a USO center and soldiers had come there and everybody had gone down there and taken them all out. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they were next door and they said, Oh, you should read this clipping we, we have about the, um, about that, that pool and what happened after they made it the night they, that they made it they had a huge huge party because it was like i said the first, the first pool, pool in hollywood yeah and they, there were all these celebrities from the day there um i can't think of any of their names but big big celebrities yeah. of the time in the 20s yeah there's first pool they were yeah, ready to they get were going all at hollywood. <laughs> yeah. i mean the, the guy who owned this was phenomenally rich he was called the borax king oh um thomas thorkeldson uh, I don't know if you ever heard of 90 Mule Team Borax, but they, they mined Borax out in the desert and brought it through a train. Oh. Uh, and I don't know what the hell they used Borax I don't know for. either. I'm yeah. like, I don't know. It but, sounds like you would clean with it or something, but I don't think that's right. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, well, you do. Oh, uh, you partly, do? Yes, okay. but I don't know what else they use it for. But anyway, that's how he made his money. He was very wealthy. Uh-huh. And um, so all these celebrities were at the pool, and they had invited the many members of the Ziegfeld Follies girls um, which did films and everything in Hollywood, you know, feathers and dancing, kind of a showgirl yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. And they'd invited several of them to uh, entertain the guests, I guess. And um, they had covered the surface of the pool with, with flowers, the entire surface of it. So the next day when uh, the party was over and they came back, took the flowers off, one of the girls had fallen in the pool and was at the bottom of the pool, uh, <sighs> dead, obviously. So, anyway, when I think about that shadow, yeah, totally. You know, that's what that's the first thing I was thinking of too—that it was her. Yeah. So that so you know, and then it, I felt like even though it was my dog who almost killed me, it was still like yeah. Well, right I mean, in that area. Did you? I mean, did you have any sort of like weird experiences with the behavior of your dogs or your animals in that house? That seemed kind of like oh yeah, oh yes. I my two, uh, I had. That was a dog that I was fostering. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I w- was going to keep him, but he was such a maniac that I found, <laughs> found him another home. Yeah. And I was rescuing Rottweilers and pit bulls all the time. Uh-huh. But I had two Rottweilers that I had for many, many years until they passed away. Um, one was Vlad and one was Bella. Aww. And um, they would stand in the middle of a room. And they were such good dogs. And they were trained. They were guard trained. So they were really protective yeah. and really good. But they would stand in the middle of the room some nights when we were there at looking at something in particular 
and just growling, just standing in the dark and just looking at something that we didn't see and just like, yeah, and it would just make the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Yeah. You know, I was like, what are you doing? What are you looking at? Right. There's Why nothing is this there. Happening? Why is this you happening? Know? Uh, so, so yeah, that was the only time. And, and I had my dogs at the house before that. I had my dogs at the house after that. And they never did that behavior ever, ever. It was just in that house. Just in that house. And they would just stand in one spot staring at something, not staring outside, mm-hmm. in the house and just growling. Uh, and I had a friend come over one night and he said, Oh my God, after I stayed overnight in your house the next night, I had this horrible, horrible dream at the, about the basement. Do not go in the basement. Don't go in there. I don't know why, but it was one, one of the worst. I don't even know what will happen, but don't go in there anymore. I was oh like, okay, I, I won't. And the basement was really creepy. It was just um, blasted out of granite. So uh-huh. it was just more like a, a cave. Yeah, like a bunker there. or something. Yeah, and, and then there was a part of it that went all the way under the house, but only maybe two feet high, mm-hmm. but you could see into it, but you couldn't, I didn't want to crawl in back in there. You no. Know? Uh-uh. Yeah, so uh, it was, yeah, I pretty much stayed away from the basement after that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Just, it, it was just a weird feeling. I was getting more and more creeped out. Then one night I was, uh, we were sleeping and our biggest fear was fire because being a craftsman house, it was oh, 100% wood. Yeah. And you know, it was like a hundred years old. Right. And old dry wood, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, great. All we need is a fire here. It would go up like a matchstick. Um, so one night I am in, in the middle of the night, I smell smoke. And oh, like, my oh, God. oh my God. Oh, you know. And I look up and there was a, it, what was called the great room. Mm-hmm. It was one big room with many bedrooms going off of it. And we had our bedroom door open and I looked out in the great room and indeed I saw smoke and I, I, I just, I froze. And before I could wake up my husband, the smoke formed into a person who came walking in the room toward me. And it was a woman in a nurse's uniform, but like an old fashioned nurse's uniform, maybe from the thirties or forties, like a little cape and a little nurse's hat and she walked right up to my bed next to me and stood next to me and I I I, I was frozen yeah. frozen have you ever been just oh like yeah in the middle of the night and you, you can't move you can't talk you can't breathe yeah um and she said I have to take him and I I think I I think I said take who and she said um she pointed to my husband and I said, where, where are you taking him? Where? And she goes into the pool. <gasps> and I went, I, well, I didn't go anything. I just sat there freaking out. Yeah. And, uh, all of a sudden she sort of walked away and evaporated. Oh my and God. I laid in bed, just frozen. I did not want to tell my husband that because I didn't want to put the psychological thing in his head of, oh, if you go in the pool, you might drown. Right. So I just kept it to myself. And he woke up that morning and said, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to jump in the pool and go for a swim. And I'm going, oh, no, you, uh, you know what? You can't because uh, we have to go somewhere. Don't you remember? <laughs> we, we were going to go to the farmer's market. Was, I don't know. I made up some story. Yeah. Because I was like, 
don't get, I mean, it was the first time he'd ever said that too. It was like, he didn't get up in the morning yeah. and decide to just go jump in the pool. So I don't know. So that happened. I kind of just kept quiet about that to him anyway. Right. Did you I, ever tell him that story ever? Yeah, I did after we sold the house. Yeah. And then uh, after he, uh, uh, then that, I think the biggest thing that happened to me was we were having a party. That's not the biggest thing that <laughs> no. happened to you. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I think creepier. That, I mean, that was, yeah, no, that was that was creepy. But one night we were having a, some people over for dinner. Mm-hmm. And um, we were getting ready. And I had a fire built. It was in the winter. And downstairs in the living room, the fire was going. And a um, couple lights were on, but it was kind of dark still. And I was upstairs getting ready. And so was my husband. And I came walking down. And there was a man sitting in front of the fireplace in one of our wingback chairs. And my first thought was, well, somebody came and brought somebody with him, which wasn't that ab- abnormal with me and my friends, you know, yeah, yeah, for yeah. someone to show up. Yeah, right. But he was he, he was odd-looking, old-fashioned looking. He had a mustache, slicked-backed hair. But, you know, in the, what was this, by then, late 80s or early 90s, you know, people could dress up as anything or be right. Like, it wasn't like, whoa, that's so bizarre, man. He looks totally old fashioned. You know, it was like, yeah, it was. He was just like a hipster, plausible. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, <laughs> so I was still, you know, just like, oh hi, you know, um, I'm Cassandra. Who, are, you know, yeah, who are you or who'd you come with or whatever? And um, he didn't say anything. He just sat there and kept staring at me. And the fire was kind of, you know, flickering on the. Side it was you know it, yeah. it was really hard to see exactly how he looked yeah and um and then when he didn't answer I turned around and yelled up the stairs uh, Mark there's somebody down here <laughs> can, yeah. can you come down and uh, when I turned back around he was gone it was just, and that that was that never saw him or heard from but he was the most like a a real uh, like a yeah, human being just like you're sitting yeah, there right that now you could like and he was sitting there. And just looking at me, he would, I mean, he was a total like human being, <laughs> you know, it was like, he didn't it come out of, you know, evaporate or yeah. anything. He was just there. So, so I started getting, I mean, uh, more and more paranoid about this house. And I said, I mean, I just didn't feel good there. I was scared to be there. I didn't like the vibes. Mm-hmm. I got, I, and I started to talk to my husband in, into let's get out of here. I want to sell it. I can't stay here. I don't want to be in here by myself. I, yeah. I want to get out of here. And um, I talked to the, the neighbors again, and we did some research, and we found all these clippings. We actually, my um, husband went downtown to the L.A. library and, and found, um, like, microfilm of different things about the house. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can even look up online um, about the house, Thomas Thorkeldson. And about how it was built and all that. It doesn't have all these stories, of course. You have to wait for right. the autobiography for that. <gasps> oh, my yeah. God. It's going to be uh, so good. Right. But um, we found out that there had been, um, a, first of all, Thomas Thorgelson's wife, who was, I guess, Native American, had uh, he had caught her with a man uh, in the house when he came home unexpectedly and chased the man out, uh, chased him around down the street and he had hit his head and fallen in the pool and drowned. So they, you know, everybody thought it was a murder, but yeah. And then there was another incident where, um, but still the pool. Yeah. The damn pool again. 
But um, there was another incident of somebody being shot there. Uh, two people just fighting and someone shooting the other one. I think it was Thomas Thurkelson who did that too. He got away with murder, literally. Well, because he was super loaded. Super rich and yeah. powerful. <laughs> and he was a friend of Griffith, whatever his name was, Griffith the, uh, Griffith Park. And that mm-hmm. guy was a total scumbag. I don't know if you ever heard about him. I don't know anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he, he had a 19-year-old wife who he pushed out of a hotel, room, hotel window in... Uh, uh, Santa Monica and and she was paralyzed the rest of her life and oh, lived with her parents no. and he was a real abusive real scumbag so every Gross. time you see Griffith Park think about him yeah I know um, but they were buddies now I will so yeah they were kind of like somebody I know now in government anyway oh right so, exactly um, yeah <laughs> so uh, they so we found out that death then there had been the other one then there had been the girl who had fallen in the pool uh, the Ziegfeld Follies girl and then we had um, one night. We had Mark Hamill come over. He was a friend of uh, my husband's from you know from Star Wars. Yeah. And um, he came over to the house. And when he pulled in the driveway, he went, "Oh my God, my God, I cannot believe this. This is where I used to live. <clears throat> this was my dorm house from uh, when he went to um, I think can't remember the school USC maybe, but a, a school near there. And he said, "I used to live here with all the, you know a dozen different roommates." And that's so I can't believe random. It. I know. And we were like, oh, that's insane. And he came in and he goes, yeah, it really creeps me out because um, my best friend uh, uh, committed suicide here. And we were like, no, get out of here. Please tell me. No. And he goes, no, no. He, he, we were all having dinner downstairs and we were wondering where he was. And he was despondent about breaking up with this girl. And we went upstairs and he hung himself in the closet. And I go, oh, my God, you're kidding. I said, would you know the room or the closet? And he goes, oh, yeah, I would know. So we went up there. Of course, it was in our master bedroom closet. Oh. So, you know, and, and one of the things that that closet door would never stay shut. It would always, oh, you'd shut it as hard as you could, go to bed, it'd be open. Oh, my gosh. You'd shut it, it'd be open. It was like, this, what is wrong with this thing? Yeah. It's completely shut. It's no. not like it's just partially <laughs> shut. It's shut. That happened. I had a haunted apartment when I very first went to college and in my roommate's room, he would complain about that same thing. I don't know. I don't think anyone hung himself, but it's just weird. Yeah. That closet yeah. doors that won't like, that won't yeah. stay shut. Yeah, I know. So, it's, so anyway, I kept, so after this, I was like, I want to get the hell out of here. I can't, I can't handle it yeah. anymore. And um, instead, because we, we tried to sell the house and the market was just the worst, the worst. Nobody was buying. We had one person come and see it and just like run out the door. After it. And I was like, Ugh, forget it. Yeah. And um, it was on the market and on the market for a few months. And then it just doesn't look good, you know. So we took it off the market. Right. And we hired a, um, well, we got a priest uh, to come and do his little smoke exorcism thing and, and exorcism yeah. through the whole house. And then for good measure, we got a Native American um man who did uh um oh what do you call it with the sage mm-hmm. saging and everything and i mean we did a major major cleansing yeah with both people who were really good and recommended and knew what they were doing and after that the house became 100 percent okay oh, nothing nice. ever happened again it was perfect and not only was it perfect i felt so safe there i never locked the doors there were about I would say to go outside, there were maybe 20 doors. Yeah. Uh, because it was all glass. I don't know if you craftsmen mm-hmm. things, they were like French doors. So it 
there were doors all over and I just quit I quit locking I mean we were in the middle of Hollywood yeah and I felt so good there uh, the rest of the time and then we ended up uh selling the house to Brad Pitt and he loved all those stories he was the oh one, I'm sure he was the one buyer who uh, said oh my god I this is fantastic I want to <laughs> buy a haunted house this is awesome so uh he he ended up buying it and we did move eventually after after a while but yeah, after the after the cleansing, nothing else happened again at all. Did the did either of the people who performed the cleansings did they like mention anything that they picked up on? Or, oh yeah, yeah. There were yeah yeah. Uh, especially the the uh, priest, he mm-hmm. was like, I don't like it up here. There's you know there's a, no there's a lot of bad. And um, it was funny. He went kept going to this one spot that was in the great room by this big window, uh-huh. and he said, "This is this is a really weird." weird dark vibrations here yeah you know? yeah um but he did the house top to bottom and and uh and then like i said so did the the native american guy um so that was my ghost story and i've never had another one since then that was uh, you haven't uh, since then no no did part of you kind of like having a haunted house though or was it just like Oh, yeah, part of me went, hey, this is perfect. I'm Elvira, hello. Yeah. And then the other part of me was like, I don't know. I'm not the character all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, I mean, it's cre- creepy when you're by yourself and, you know, my husband would be out and stuff and I'd be there and it'd be nighttime and I just didn't feel good or safe there. Yeah, well, I mean, especially to see an apparition that looks like a real person, it makes you question your sanity. Oh, I totally did. I really started worrying about myself. I had I went through one point because, and my husband thought I was out of my freaking mind after, mm-hmm. you know, telling him this, that, and the other. And he started thinking I was crazy. I started thinking I was crazy. It really did. It made me totally question, what is wrong with you? Are you making this up? Is it in your head? Or what is going on here? Yeah. I actually felt better after the um, old couple, you know, told, told us you. all those things and showed us all these clippings. I, I felt... I mean, it was like, oh, good, it is spirits. And they were all violent deaths. It's not, not like yeah. somebody died of old age in your house. You know, it's probably not a house in L.A. over, you know, over 50 years old that somebody possibly didn't pass away there. But right. But in that way. Violent way. All yeah, violent ways. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, four of them, you know, really, that's a lot. When you... When you sort of like um, were talking to your ex-husband about like the spooky stuff that was going on, was he, did he start to believe in it? And did he start to have experiences where he got scared or was it just kind of like whatever? He eventually did get creeped out. I yeah. mean, the, the different things were happening. That's why he, he, when I said we need to have this cleansed and stuff, he agreed and, and uh, we went ahead with it because, yeah, he started saying, you know, I was just saying, I can't stay here. I can't stay here anymore. Dude, I'll, I'll leave. If you want to stay here, you can yeah. stay. I'm going. I'll have to go get an apartment somewhere. Yeah. So he he did come around. Um, yeah, he personally wasn't having weird, you know, experiences like that. But, you know, yeah. I, know. I think some guys are not quite as in tune. Intuitive maybe, or you know? open or they'll yeah. they'll sort of like, I think when it comes to paranormal stuff, if you're open to it, you'll see it more than people who are like, Meh. yeah, refuse to believe yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's sort of like you put up a, like, like a guard or a boundary or something from like experiencing things like that. Yeah. I mean, I th- he came around because he could see it was affecting me a lot, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and so 
you know. And another thing is, I had had six miscarriages, and um, and uh, in that house, we finally, finally, the seventh one stuck, you know. And I, I had a, I had my baby, but that was after the house was cleansed, and I'd had two of the miscarriages were. Um, when all the bad vibes were happening there. I had no idea. Yeah. Do so you think so that maybe the house had something to do with it? Yeah. Well, I was trying to have a baby from the time I was 34 and then finally had one when I was 43, but it took me that long. And two of the miscarriages happened there at the house. But after the house was cleansed, it was all I got pregnant. Wow. So, and it, it was a keeper. Yeah. <laughs> a keeper. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, uh, it was a great experience. I love that house so, so much. We mm-hmm. ended up moving next door. It was so funny. The house, really? next, <laughs> one of the houses, well, the house w- was two acres and it had 26 contingent houses around it, mm-hmm. that, you know, abutted against it. And uh, one of them came up for sale and it just, was and we moved there. Yeah. And that's where uh, and my daughter was born. We actually rented something in between. Oh, okay. Um, but then ended up moving right back next door. That's so crazy. Yeah. And you never heard any more stories either of it, of like... No, I ran like, into Brad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I run into him all the time. As a matter of fact, we lived on this uh, private street, and so I'd see him quite often. And I'd always ask him, have you felt any weird things, seen any weird things? And he's going, nope, nothing at all. And he goes, I keep wishing. Oh. I, go, oh I think I fixed it for you. Oh, sorry, Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, Brad. Sorry, sorry for <laughs> taking the ghosts out of your house before you moved in. <laughs> That is so wild. I can't believe all that. Yeah, he still owns the house. Um, and he has the bucks to make the house what it should have been. We didn't have the money to upgrade it and, and renovate it the way it should have been done. And we did our yeah. best. But, you know, he went in and did everything right. He had the house put up on blocks and had a foundation, a new foundation put under oh, it. Oh, wow. I mean, can you imagine a house that big? That's Brad Pitt money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, he bought, like, also uh, one day... You know, I kind of like looking off my balcony to see if Brad was over there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I understand. Like, mm, hello. That makes sense. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm peeking at me. And one day, uh, in comes these giant, giant trucks with full-grown ficus trees. Probably, I don't know, how, who knows how many, 75 of them. Full-grown. I mean, maybe 35, 40 feet tall. And he put them around the entire perimeter perimeter of the house so oh man nobody can see it so then you couldn't Damn. spy anymore yeah you should have just cut the one down that was like <laughs> or just like put yeah, in know, a request. Just a hole in yeah. there. <laughs> oh. all right so i know that things just started to get good as we were talking about brad pitt and i promise there is more brad pitt content coming up next week but for now i want to take a break from the interview there's going to be more delightful wonderful cassandra peterson Uh, But for the rest of this episode, I'm going to make good on my promise to teach you guys how to cleanse and bless your own personal living space. Now, it doesn't always have to be like, oh, there's there's a haunting. I have to clear my space. Sometimes it's good to just clear out the energy in your home. If there's been an argument, if there's been a breakup, if you've been feeling foggy or depressed or lethargic, anything you know, if, if you're in a funk, any sort of a funk, this is going to be great to at least take control of your own living space and promote just like those, those good vibes that we're all chasing, especially now with everything so crazy. Uh, we really want to make sure our homes are a sanctuary and bonus. This will work for ghosts and this will work for entities. Um, side note, if you do feel like you have a presence in your house, 
it's better to not show them fear, not show them that you're afraid because that tends to sort of like amplify their desire to mess with you. Because if you take a second to think about it, how fun would it be to be a ghost and just go around scaring people all the time. And like, you know, it's like when you scare your friends, you're going to pick on the ones who, you know, give you a reaction and you're not going to try and scare the friends who are like, Oh, was that supposed to be scary? Cause it wasn't, that's like me. It's like, you can't, you can't scare me. I'm the youngest of four kids. You can't scare me. Okay. So to the actual house cleansing, I recommend doing this you know, just at least when the weather is nice enough to have the windows open. I think it's really important that if you are doing a house cleansing and you're trying to create movement of energy in your space, you'll want to be able to give that energy somewhere to go. I also extremely, extremely, extremely recommend that you do a cleansing anytime you move into a new place or if you have a roommate move out or a roommate move in, anything like that. Um, or after like sorrow or grief. And even if you just feel like it, it's never a bad time to give the energy of your home a little facelift. So one of the misconceptions about home cleansings is that you're supposed to use sage. And sage is actually a great tool, but it is so potent when it comes to getting rid of energy that it doesn't just get rid of bad energy. It kind of gets rid of all energy So if you're going to be like, say, if you're saging your space all the time, well, you're kind of getting rid of like the good memories and the energy from like the good experiences you've had there as well. So if you want to hold on to that, I actually recommend using um, like a juniper bundle or a cedar bundle, or even just like uh, a temple blend from your local occult shop or your metaphysical store. Like they can usually recommend something. Now, if you're moving into a new space, then I would use sage. If it's if it's the first time you're living there, but there are previous occupants, I would use sage. Or if you're just, you know, I'm a Scorpio, so I still do use sage sometimes because Scorpio is the sign of death and rebirth. So sometimes I do just want to scrap all the energy. And if that's your mood, fine, do it. So what I do to start out is I will usually set a candle on my dining room table. Um, usually it's just a good idea to put it somewhere that's like kind of like a hub of your household. So you could put it in the kitchen or you could put it on your coffee table, but wherever feels like a very central area of your home. And I'll use a black candle to start out with because black candles, they sort of repel negativity or they'll absorb it and sort of get rid of it for you. And I will take my black candle and I'll usually wipe it down from base to wick with some salt water. And this is basically just clearing out the energy that already exists during the manufacturing process of the candle. You can also sage your candle, especially if, you know, you're a person who wants to still work with sage, but you don't necessarily want to sage your entire house. Like I'll sage candles before I use them or I'll like spot sage certain areas of my house. So I think sage still does have its purposes and its uses. So you don't need to go like chuck it or anything like that. Side note, it's also really good to like sage a new car. Once you've done that, I will usually, you know, take some olive oil and some salt and, or if I use actually what I do use is sage essential oil. So if you have sage essential oil, use that. But if not, olive oil and some salt or coconut oil and some sea salt are going to be good alternatives for you to use. And I'll anoint my candle from base to wick because again, I want to be pushing out energy. I don't want to be drawing in any negativity. I just want to be pushing out. And I will light my candle 
And as I light my candle, I will start at my front door and in a counterclockwise direction, I will go around my house and I will start to smoke cleanse each room. And the reason I go counterclockwise is because I'm wanting to reverse whatever negative energy was brought into my house. And you can do this, you know, you don't always have to do your whole house. You can do just a room or you can do just the space where like an argument occurred or just where the vibes feel a little bit off. But that's how I do it, counterclockwise. And I go through each room and I make sure I hit the corners and I get under furniture, under my couch, under, you know, wherever I just feel like there could be energy hanging out. Uh, getting in closets, it's also good, but you want to be careful with that because you don't necessarily want your clothes to be smelling like smoke. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't like close the door after you've, you know, put a bunch of smoke in there. So once I have gone around my entire house counterclockwise and I've landed back at the door, I will light a second candle and I will do a white candle um, because it represents light and purity, but also I think that light blue is a really good option because it represents a connection to sort of like the angelic realms and our spirit guides. Purple is also really nice, especially if you're trying to work with your intuition. If you want to get really serious about um you know, following up with this blessing because the first part is the cleansing. So we've just pushed out all this negative energy and now we're doing a second step because we want to bring in a blessing. So if you want to get really hardcore about it, you could put a different candle in each room. Like, you know, for the kitchen, yellow is good because it's sunny and it's cheery and it sort of makes us feel, you know, our vitality. But, you know, maybe in my office where I'm doing readings from, I would, I would do purple or I would do light blue because again, I'm trying to communicate in the psychic realm. So that's what I would want to be bringing into my office. The bedroom, you know, pink, especially if you're, if you have a partner, but even if you don't, just because it's sort of like, you know, self-love and feeling calm. But also if you want to be doing dream work and you want to be sort of bringing psychic ability into your sort of like your dream realms, well, then you might do purple again because it's associated with the third eye and your psychic ability. Now, you may want to just do some additional research if you're trying to figure out how you want to do that. Uh, I would just do a quick Google search. You know, what are the different candle color meeting meanings? Or you can reach out to me and I'd be happy to do a consultation with you. Uh, you can reach me, you know, I'll, I'll put all my contact stuff at the end of the episode. So anyway, I take this candle and again, from the base to the wick of the candle, I will either sage it or wipe it down with some salt water just to push the energy out. Then I will take, you know, coconut oil usually because it's sweeter, but olive oil is fine as well. Um, and maybe some lavender or an essential oil that just feels nice to you. Something that makes you feel like that reminds you of home. Cinnamon is good too because it, it represents warmth. So if you want to, you know, hit up your herbs in your kitchen, that's a good one. Rosemary is good for healing. And so you can actually, you know, put oil and stick some herbs onto your candle. And that's basically a crash course in how you would dress a candle. If you don't want to put too much thought into it, you just want to like, you know, black and white switch out the energy, push out the bad, put in the good, then I would just use a white candle with some coconut oil and think good thoughts. Now, when you're anointing your white candle or your red candle or whatever color you're using, you want to anoint from the wick to the base because now you're drawing in. And you may want to say something like, you know, I'm, I'm pulling in good energy. I'm pulling in light. My house is a sanctuary. My house is a fortress. Something like that. 
And then at the beginning of your front door, just like you did with this, you know, with the sage or the cedar or whatever you use, you want to follow up. If you're using cedar, uh, then that's fine. You can just use cedar again, or you can lose, use lavender or even just your favorite incense. But this is your blessing now. So now you will go in a clockwise direction from your front door all the way around your house, all the way through the house, and just sort of, you know, be mindful of like, I'm calling in my spirit guides. I'm calling in protection. I'm calling in light. Uh, if you want to up the ante again, I love putting white candles in my windows because it invites in spirits who are good and who wish you well. This is especially a great thing to pick up as we're nearing, you know, the Halloween. Also, like the witches call it Samhain. But as we're, you know, entering spooky season where uh, things start to sort of um, the veil starts to thin, putting white candles in your window will help you even more connect with the other side. So once you've gone around the house in a clockwise direction, you're pretty much done. You have, you know, you've done everything that you want to do to push out the energy and calm the good energy. Now you want to basically put boundaries so that that bad energy can't really seep in. Now, I personally prefer to use brick dust and you can make your own brick dust by crushing up bricks into a powder and literally just sprinkling it across your doorstep, like your doorways. Uh, If you want to take it a step further, you can sprinkle it across your windows. I usually do this from the outside. I don't really want brick dust on the inside of my home. And you also, it can just be a sprinkling. It doesn't have to be a solid line. That's kind of a misconception. Now, if you don't have brick dust and you don't want to crush up a brick, just use sea salt. That's totally fine. And just do it with the intention. Like I'm setting a boundary here and like nothing can enter this house. And, you know, make sure that it's just done across every door that leads to the outside. Windows are a good idea too, but they're not necessary. Now, if you really, really, really want to amp up your protection, and this is what I do, you can take basically four pieces of black tourmaline or jet or any sort of, you know, onyx black stone. And then four either clear quartz or selenite, either clear or white stones. And put one of each in the outermost corner of like basically each part of your house. So the outermost corner of each corner of your home. Uh, If you have two stories, I I do both my upstairs and my downstairs. So that's going to look like eight stones for me. But on just the bottom floor is fine too. And this is basically, you know, you're telling the universe, you're telling energies that happen outside of your house that this is your sanctuary, this is your sacred space. And it will really feel more, I believe that it really does make the home feel more peaceful. It, It does something to buffer out, you know, when you know that there are people who gossip about you. Or you know that, you know, you had a hard day at work, but then you can come home and it just really feels like this is a place that you can actually relax. It helps you to leave the outside world outside. That's basically a crash course in how you can cleanse your house. If you're interested in doing this yourself, I actually have created a house blessing and cleansing kit that you can buy at rainbowglitterstar.com. And it comes with a cedar bundle. It comes with a hundred year old brick dust that I smashed myself. It comes with the black candles, the white candles. They were hand dipped in America. So I really do put a lot of thought into these kits that I create. So I do hope that you will check it out. Again, the website is rainbowglitterstar.com. 
Next week, we do have the second part of the interview with Cassandra, and she does talk more about Brad Pitt. She also has some Nicolas Cage stories, and we get to look at her belief around manifestation. And let me tell you, she's she might not call herself a witch, but she's for sure some sort of witch. I don't know if she means to be or not, but she's totally a witch. So I can't wait for you guys to hear the rest of it. You can find me online. Please follow me on Instagram at the Glittercast. My personal Instagram is at Rainbow Glitter Star. And again, if you have any questions or anything like that, you can email me at theglittercast at gmail.com. I have a private Facebook group as well for anyone looking to improve their understanding of the metaphysical. We have tarot exchanges. We talk about the energies that's happening right now. Uh, We just, you know, we just lent each other a lot of support about the death of the notorious RBG. So I would love to take you into the fold. And with that being said, I can't wait to see you guys again next week. Please feel free to reach out. I hope you have a wonderful Libra season. It's officially fall. We are officially you know, in the best season of the year. So please enjoy your bad witchy selves and have a good day. So, what is that crazy sound now? I don't know. <laughs> it might. Oh, okay. Actually, that might be the that might be the dryer. <laughs> oh, good. I hope so. I'm like, yeah. Like, we are freaking out. <laughs> I'm bringing it. It's things I'm me. like, what is that? But I did. Uh, I do keep thinking that I'm hearing things. Oh my god, me too. <laughs> Yikes.